It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android. I look at my gifts as, as the things that were gifted to me right and and if if i'm lucky i get to share them with the world right i think the my purpose is more about how i show up in the world right and and specifically like my being right and and i hope that if i'm lucky my purpose and how i show up in the world and my being incorporates my gifts right and 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 really allows me to just get to the greatest expression that god has made me to be so for me, again, it's like the gift is like the skill, the talent, but the purpose is is the way of life that hopefully, you know, we all get to be afforded to walk in the knowing of who we are and whose we are and what we're going to do. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Simons. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Welcome to another episode of How I Discovered My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. We have an amazing and a special guest on today's show. Let me give you the bio and then we're going to jump right into this amazing conversation that we're going to have. I already know it's going to be something special. William Tyrone Toms is a 30-year-old award-winning entrepreneur from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. After starting his first company at the age of 21, Will Toms has quickly made a name for himself in the region's startup community at the intersection of the culture and economics. He is the co-founder and chief creative officer of Rec Philly, serving as the visionary and strategist behind the company's endeavors. In under four short years, he and his business partner, Dave Silver, have grown Rec Philly to almost 20 employees and raised over $3 million to scale their socially driven business model from a warehouse in North Philly to a state-of-the-art facility in Center City. If I'm correct, Will, that's that's actually more than three. It's at 10 now? Is that correct? What's that? The it's, it's, fundraising it's, total? Yeah. Yeah, man. By the end of this year, we'll be closer to about 13 and a half. Oh, 13 and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, Will's vision is to scale Rec's model of a gym membership for creatives to span across international communities, establishing a network of 100,000 independent creators that all have access to the resources, strategies, and opportunities necessary to their own future. Before Rec, Will served day-to-day as a digital strategist at Fame House, developing and executing marketing campaigns for entertainment brands, including Ice Cube, Shady Records, and Eminem. He currently serves as a board member on three nonprofit organizations fighting structural inequality, food insecurity in, in inner city neighborhoods, and more. 
2019, William, William accepted a nomination to join the Leadership Council of the Philadelphia Global Identity Partnership, a public-private partnership created to help rebrand his beloved city of Philadelphia to the world. With his background in communication and economics, William takes pride in ensuring that all of his efforts are centered around democratizing access and opportunity for young, passionate people of color. And Will is most recently awarded uh, um, Forbes 30 Under 30 uh, award. So that's big, big time, big time, man. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Uh, Man, I appreciate that that intro. Um, Excited to be here with you. Man, thank you, thank you for joining us, man. It's truly an honor, um, you know, as, as I've shared with you uh, privately that I've, I've been following what you're doing uh, over the years. Uh, one, one me personally, but also through mentees and people that I have known <clears throat> that have come uh, either to work alongside you or uh, people that have been serviced through your organization, Direct Philly. And every single one of them has had nothing but amazing things to say. And I said, man, we got to get this brother on the show. I got to meet this brother. I got to know who this brother is because his work speaks for him and his reputation speaks for him. And um, and the Bible talks about that. Uh, That's worth more than gold. Mm. Um, So so honest, honored to have you on the show, brother. Uh, Thank you for joining us. You got it, man. It's a it's a pleasure. and, And, you know, it's absolutely a blessing um, you know, to, to hear what you just shared, you know, I think I'm blessed to be the vessel man for this vision that God's given me. And, you know, fortunately I've been able to meet him halfway, you know, and, and put in some of the work necessary to, to see it, you know, come to fruition out, out in, in, in the real world, you know? So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm honored. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll, we like to jump into the story, the journey, like sure. the, the, where, where you started, take us through young young philly kid and and just you know i also had the privilege to see you and your brother abu on the stage um uh at black equity con and and get to hear uh your journey in a a different light and to see two brothers come i gotta i just gotta plug this before we even start the show because that was beautiful um to see two brothers coming from the city um sound like you know dealing with some of the challenges of Philly, right? The poverty and some of the things that um, plague so many. And to see two brothers that allowed themselves not to be um, a product of their environment, but to influence their environments and to come out multimillionaires doing great things and, yeah. and being an example in the light, man. That was just powerful. So I just had to yeah. say that. Yeah, sure, man. And I, I think that's an interesting way to, to just kick off the story. You know, I think, you know, what you're alluding to, you know, we just were together in Miami, uh, Black Equity Con, which was really a gathering, a meeting of the minds of so many black entrepreneurs, black millionaires, wealth builders, future, you know, millionaires, et cetera. Um, and in the last moment, you know, right before getting on the stage, I, I was asked to speak about um, this idea of how to raise capital to fund your big idea. And the person I was supposed to be speaking alongside had a family emergency, unfortunately. So in the last minute, they asked someone else to take their place. And they, they, they let me know, they say, hey, Will, we got this guy named Abu who's going to you know, take the place of the person who couldn't be there. Is that all right? And I'm like, Abu, that's my guy. You know, and it turned out that Abu is, you know, Abu is Fofana, incredibly accomplished entrepreneur, one of my longest standing friends. And, um, you know, so for me, 
growing up as you know a young kid in philly uh you know i come from super humble beginnings you know my family has you know navigated and persevered through many challenges you know some of them being mass incarceration you know my family's experienced you know drug addiction and gun violence like the whole nine you know so for me to you know have a grandmother who raised me who understood the importance of education she understood the importance of environment it was really important for her to say hey let me get this young man into a school you know that could potentially change the trajectory of his future um and when i moved out of my old neighborhood of germantown grew up wayne junction part of germantown in philly um one of my first friends that i made after moving out of the neighborhood was abu and abu's family story in short was he's from uh west africa sierra leone um and his family was fleeing you know all of the 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 challenges that came with being you know in west africa at that time uh, he and his mother and, and all his siblings came over. So they were seeking a, a sort of refuge that was similar to mine, even though I was just coming from, you know, Germantown to Philly. He was coming from West Africa. Um, we bonded immediately, you know, just off of being raised by by strong women who, you know, had a vision for our lives. And fortunately, you know, we were able to make good on some of our promises to our parents and say, hey, with the right resources, you know, and environment, we can we can we can really build the future that we desire. Um, so yeah, it was a really beautiful full circle moment to, you know, to have all the way be in another city and be speaking, you know, about raising capital, about building seven and eight figure businesses. Um, but yeah, but that's where my story starts, man. You know, I started as a kid in, in the city who really used art as a way of understanding himself. You know, um, it was first, first poetry. I remember some of my earliest poems were about the death of my uncle who was murdered at age 16 and what that meant to me and 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 kind of how i saw myself around that and from there just fell in love with how i felt you know when it came to having a a, a, a tool for expression and yeah. made an early commitment to myself that i'd want to live a life that allowed me to stay close to my creativity and also to other creatives um, not knowing, you know, that ultimately it would it would turn into the business model that is wreck. Um, but as a young person, always just being so affected by these systems um, always led me to want to understand systems, how to how to create systems of my own that could play in my favor. Uh, so I've always been this thoughtful kid, this creative kid, and one who really was deeply un trying to understand the world around them and, and how we could create the one we wanted to live in. Wow, man. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So it sounds like you, you experienced a lot of um, different scenarios, even traumas um, that really. But it sounds like obviously all of it shaped you to be who you are today. Um, <clears throat> so growing up as as this young creative, did you know like what like this vision that you have today and that you've executed on? Did you see this vision specifically? Or is this beyond what you envisioned? Um, and, and for those that don't know, can you can you give us a little bit of insight into and we'll talk deeper about it later, but uh, into Rec Philly. But did, did you what was the vision from as a child, you know, and, and as a creative and then now? Yeah. So I think as a child, the vision was I wanted to stay close to that feeling I had, you know, around around art and around other creatives. The vision was really to do something bigger than I had seen, you know, in my family. The vision was to 
you know, be proud to, 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 to get paid to be who I am. You know, I think growing up, I saw a lot of folks, uh, you know, adults in my life that kind of lived for the weekends, you know, they, they did what they had to do to survive and, and to provide for their families, but you could tell there wasn't a joy, you know, in, in, in their work. Um, and I, I never wanted that. You know, I was like, yo, we spent so much time at work. I, I, I hope that I can build a life where I can enjoy that, you know. And I, I also want to hope that my career path also is one that could allow me to provide for my family in a way that I that I see fit. Um, so it was really about that. And then the idea of doing that in community, you know, as a kid growing up, community was always important. But I, I never as a young person, you know, exactly saw the model of rec as it is today. But over time, everything I was building continued to iterate itself to this point, right? And the learnings I was picking up along the way helped to kind of position, you know, us to be where we are. So, you know, in high school, that started off with, you know, I was writing business plans in high school, right? Really? I was that, yeah, yeah, I was wow. that kid. Both me and my business partner, Dave, you know, from high school to even going away, we went to separate colleges and was on Uvu and Skype writing new business plans and all that stuff. Like, that's just really who we were. Um, so it started off with production companies, you know, in high school, we would shoot short films and had other kids staying after school to try out to be in our movies. And, you know, we were doing short, uh, we were doing, um, you know, little events and stuff in high school. And then that spun off into t-shirt companies and, um, you know, open mic series, like all these just ways to express ourselves and to allow, you know, space for our friends to express themselves. And it got to a point in time where we were running around the city, literally throwing five events a week, you know, in Philadelphia at the ages of like 20, 21, 22, and, and really just trying to spotlight talent that we loved, really trying to just, you know, create outlets for people to be seen. And um, I'll never forget, there was a moment where we just felt like all of the artists that we loved that were incredibly talented, they would get on the stages that we create, they'd blow everybody away. But then they would get off the stage and they wouldn't be doing the very basic things that would show that there was a real business understanding behind the talent, right? Wow. They weren't collecting emails. You know, they didn't bring merchandise to sell, you know, these little things that could help you convert this new fan into a real customer, right? Mm. The things that would help you actually sustain your livelihood as an artist. And at that moment, you know, we realized it was like, hey, there's a, there's a bigger gap here that we could fill. There's a bigger need, you know, that we could, you know, contribute to solving than just putting people on stage. Mm. And, you know, me being a nerd, I'm, I'm watching companies like Airbnb you know become the fastest growing hospitality company and not own any houses right mm. and i'm watching you know uber become the fastest growing transportation company and this is at a time where they own no cars right, right. and i'm watching this economically right i studied communications and i studied economics in school and i'm just like this idea of resource sharing is really powerful and, mm. and it actually directly opposes the status quo of the entertainment industry right now which is a few people own everything, right? And they kind of set the, the, the tone for what happens. So I was like, yeah, when is resource sharing gonna come to the entertainment space? And um, long story short, you know, I found a warehouse in North Philly and had about a 600 square foot room that I put a backdrop up for me to shoot my videos and photos. We built a recording studio for our homie Leonzo and we had a couch, you know, and, and that was our co-working space. 
And wow. after, you know, just about a year in that space, you know, came up with the idea for the membership program. You know, two, three years later, we had hundreds of members coming to Ninth and Dolphin in Philadelphia to be a part of what we were doing. Mm. And um, that's when we knew we had something special that, that people really needed. And, and we, we bet the house on, on taking that vision to the world. Wow, that's beautiful, brother. Thank you for breaking that down. I want to take a step back. Well, I, I want to look at, uh, again, back to the childhood. Mm-hmm. If you if if you can kind of give us a clue, what did you think your gift was, or what did did you know what your gift was when you were mm-hmm. when you were doing all these things, when you're putting all these business plans together, when you're organizing and 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 putting all this get together? Did you know what your gift was then? And if if you didn't know what your gift was then, what do you say your gift is today? Wow, that's a beautiful question. Um, you know, it's interesting because growing up, you know, I think sometimes our gifts um, hide themselves and almost camouflage themselves as our weaknesses, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and because of how I grew up, you know, I was that kid who, so to speak, was, you know, too, too hood for the white kids and the burbs. But I was also, you know, I, I talked too proper to, to be one of them, you know, back home in the hood, you know, so I've always been a little bit of that, like social butterfly in a way where like one of the things the skills I learned really quickly was like how to disarm people who may have you know preconceived notions of who I was you know I became an excellent communicator you know because it was so important for me to be understood in the spaces that I would frequent um you know and I had this idea this ability to connect with folks you know I don't know if it was a a gift of empathy or, or or what but there was a gift that I needed really and a lot of these tools I developed to survive you know just to to be able to find community and and, and get what I needed um and over time I think that got honed from a weakness into being my gift uh, because you know I was that creative kid who was at home with the creatives art and the artists but I had a knack and a longing for the business side and a real interest and in, skill set there And then when I went into the business world, I was always the creative one, you know, so I had the ability to to kind of speak both languages and, you know, ultimately to become a bridge builder in so many ways. Um, So I'd say, you know, that that early on was my gift. You know, it started off being used to just throw parties and have a good time, you know, in college and what and whatnot. Um, But those are the same the same skill sets that show up today um, to be able to you know, with my team, build the space that we build and fill it with the community that we filled it with, which I think is an excellent representation of our city um, in, a, in a sense of diversity and, and who's there. Um, so I think that's my gift, right? And and the other one I'd add to that is like the faith, you know, that I have, the, the gift of faith to see a vision that doesn't exist and be willing to day after day, week after week, year after year, commit to to that vision and and be able to see it first here and then create something that others can see and be a part of as well i I think that's a a gift if i'd have to if i had to pick one wow that's awesome so i'm hearing a couple of gifts like you said there's there's that uh like the root of it empathy right because that allowed you to connect with people and understand people and be understood and then you said the gift of faith which is which is awesome and and so with those gifts, right, you obviously had to develop yourself to this level um, yeah. to get to this point. And we I mean, I look at I look at, you know, some of the things in your journey, 
Um, can you talk to me about now you've gone through the childhood, you, you, you've made it out of Philadelphia, Philadelphia or the hood, or, you know, you're going into high school, right? You're going into uh, high school, you're going to college now. You went to school and, and then you're going through, um, you get, you get to fame house. So can, yeah. can, can you, can you break that down of, of like, okay, you, 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 here's this creative, creative young man, this talent, this ability to connect, um, <clears throat> this powerful belief that what he puts his mind to will happen. Walk, walk me through that journey of development and, and developing your skills. Cause I, you know, I know you're a young, young guy. And I think people sometimes think, well, you know, experience has to come with a bunch of age, right? Uh, like, but it, obviously you developed yourself in a, it, I assume a intentional focus clarity of like this is what i want to do and this is what i'm gonna do it so um yeah if you could break that down for us that development process yeah so i think as you mentioned you know i think the gifts are empathy faith and the third one i probably should have thrown in there is is vision mm. um and i think vision is super important because without it we kind of wander aimlessly right and um yeah. when you have a strong vision vision can 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 shape what actions are important to you um so for me when it comes to development i knew early that intentionality would get me where i wanted to go um and it really it was always like hey here's the vision i have for myself for my life what are the things i need to do right to become the type of person who then has those things who who who, who does those things right because i think you know it, it what do they say? Be, do, have, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us kind of create visions for what we want to have, right? Um, we, we create visions for the types of things we want to do, but we never take time to say, well, who do I need to be, mm -hmm. right? In order to do those things and have those things, right? right. So for me, it came from that that type of place. And, and um, there was a couple moments I can say that of intentional development that I think changed the game for me. Um, one of them is after we had found success in the warehouse of Rec, right? In the beginning stages, we had hundreds of members. Um, it was almost just like organically just growing and growing. Uh, a mentor of mine told me, they said, um, listen, you have to always take in, 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 in mind what John C. Maxwell says. He says, your company will never grow beyond your personal level of leadership. Mm right and and as a young person right again i started my first business at 21 you know i started the second company at like i don't know 25 23 or 4 um so there was a gift of like hey i'm out here just figuring it out but also it helped me learn that like no leadership is a skill you know and and you can be classically trained and developed in it you know, I think my, my leadership started in the church, right? Getting opportunities to be worship leader and read scripture and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when it came to the business sector, there was more intentionality that needed to be de developed because mm -hmm. even my journey to Fame House, right? Which was really the only corporate job I've ever held, right? Mm -hmm. I, w I didn't apply for that job. I was recruited for that job. Like someone found me out throwing parties, you know, Dave and I going crazy throwing parties and selling out shows and all that. And they were like, you're clearly a natural marketer. Let's teach you some stuff and bring you in. So wow. when it comes to like the idea of, 
understanding the language of corporate leadership structure and, and org structure and all that, I had no idea what that looked like. Um, so it got to a point in time when I, I said, hey, we're in, we're in the warehouse that we have, you know, six full time folks who aren't getting paid what they deserve to be paid, but they're committing everything because they believe in the vision. I was like, well, if, if it's going to be right, like it's up to us, like we got to figure it out. And I knew I needed to understand, like, yo, what is this fundraising going to look like? I've never done that before. I don't even know anyone in my family who's ever raised money like this before. Um, and before I could even get to the technicalities of things like raising money and, and org structure, I've got to do the emotional work, right? To be able to let go of some of these traumas that I grew up having, idea, things that manifested into like people-pleasing behavior or self-sabotaging behavior, right? Um, scarcity mindset. All of that stuff needed to be shed in order to make space for this new person I was becoming. So I had to do that emotional work and, and, and I'm really grateful that I, I found the resources to do that. You know, leadership development training, therapy was really instrumental. Mm. Um, and on the other side, you know, I was able to just be a fuller person, a fuller leader for my team. Um, so I'm really grateful for things like that. But that, that journey was not one that could have been possible without a, a certain level of intention. Um, and, and again, a clear vision for, for who I wanted to become. I love it. So, so I look at it like, right. You're in this, uh, uh, a lot of our listeners, uh, are familiar with Bible stories and, and I, I look at this as, this is, this is your phase where you're David and you're killing your, um, your bears and you're, and you're killing your lions and, and all the other animals before you get to your Goliath. It right. sounds like this is where you're, you're developing those skills, honing those skills. So, so take me back to Fame House, where yeah, you, you know, you, you're, you know, they they recognize you. That's cool. Like, wow, they 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 sought you out. Now you're in there. It's I imagine this was kind of like a cool environment to work with, you know, Shady Records and Ice Cube and all these. I mean, like, but but you, you know, I'm not gonna spoil the story, but you you actually end up transitioning, but. Yeah. But tell, take us through that that whole experience and and how that led to you making that final decision to cut that cord and go to yeah. build this vision full out. Yeah. So so it's it's even in, even more interesting when I give you the context of you know I, I actually didn't finish school. I got mm -hmm. to my very last semester of school. Um, you know, long story short, you know, I had a full ride scholarship and then you know wow. was too ambitious. I took a internship. Um, and spent way too much time at the internship, not knowing that the more time you spent at the internship, the more credit hours you had to pay for, right? That's the way my school did it. So wow. they got back and they were like, oh, you're supposed to do a six credit internship, but you did 12, so you gotta pay us for those credits. So it was like, you know, $6,000 or something like that that I had to pay before I could schedule classes. And I went to my family and I was like, yo, there's a hold on my account. I can't even book uh, classes. Um, so long story short, you know, the entrepreneurial bug in me kicked in. I started doing some things to make some money. I raised that money and all that was good, but then I took it a little too far and ended up finding myself in some trouble. So I was a kid who didn't even have a degree, was out throwing parties and events, just doing my thing. And that's when Fame House recruited me. Um, so the idea of like walking into a job in my field, in the industry without a degree to representing some of the biggest names in the industry, it really was a godsend. You know, mm -hmm. it was an incredible opportunity that one, allowed me to learn at a high level and two, to show what I was capable of, right? In, in a really beautiful arena. So yeah. 
I love the the work I was doing. Um, I love the clients, but there was two things that were happening. There was one this like feeling of I, there's a part of me I don't get to bring in the space, mm. right? And I think a lot of folks who navigate corporate understand that, you know. Um, and then two, it was like I love what I'm doing, but. I can either keep making millionaires more millions or I can take exactly what I've been learning here and teach my homies how to go from zero to 60,000 this year because I understand direct to consumer, digital strategy and all this. Um, so, you know, it was the mountaintop as far as like the experience I was learning. Um, but really, I, I knew that my calling was bigger than that space at that time. Um, so I needed to make that leap, you know. So after a lot of prayer and a lot of conversations with my grandmother, you know, I let her know, I was like, hey, it's, it's time for me to, to leap. And I really believe in this thing I'm building. And um, it was interesting because just a few weeks later, um, essentially, I kind of got the ultimatum. You know, I had gone down to South by Southwest, thrown an amazing show um, with Rec. And I got back and they were like, hey, how come you didn't do that for Fame House? And I was like, well, y'all didn't pay me to do that. Like, wow. I actually had to take PTO, you know, um, that's not what y'all be having me do. Um, and then there was a time where everyone was kind of getting promoted that were in my kind of range of, of, of role. And they were like, yo, we got this new client we want you to take. And I was like, eh, I'm kind of good with my workload now because it enables me to keep doing that thing on the side that like actually had y'all hire me. Um, and obviously no leader wants to hear that from, from a staff member. Um, yeah. So I, I really had to make my decision, but it was an easy decision to make. And that's when I, I took the leap of faith and, and said, hey, I want to I wanna build this thing called Rec. And um, I quit my full-time job. Maybe six months later, my business partner, Dave, quit his full-time job. Wow. And uh, from there, yeah, we were off to the races. Amazing. So so take take me back to, right, so Rec is developed around what time frame? And, and then what time frame is it when you guys went, um, when you left corporate to, and then, and attempt to some timelines to, to just give the listeners a little understanding. Yeah, so Rec as it stands today was was built let's say january of 2015 mm -hmm. um so prior to that from 2012 to 2014 we're just throwing shows we have a production company called broad street music group um i want to say like 2013 or 14 maybe 2014 is when i start at fame house so i'm there 2014 to 2016 17 ish so i'm i'm building rec simultaneously right i'm literally working eight to five at fame house and then going you know, 6 to 2 a.m. with Rec, Broad Street Music Group, throwing these shows. Um, so that's kind of how that went. And then, you know, once we, we really committed to building Rec after I got, I went full-time and Dave went full-time, we were still in the warehouse for maybe a, another two to three years. And then 2019 was when we were able to raise the capital to go from the warehouse in North Philly down to the fashion district here in center city and um you know that's where we you know really under started to understand the model and um understood this 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 idea of the gym membership for creatives and yeah. the idea that folks could pay a monthly membership or yearly membership to have access to all of our creative spaces and the education you know that we're really proud of and most importantly to, to have tools that connect them deeper to the community around them um, our jobs and opportunity board for folks to get paid to do what they love, the directory for folks to connect and all the like. Um, but yeah, so that was a kind of, that was like the, the timeline of the journey. 
I love it. The reason I'm asking that, and 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 uh, I want the listeners to understand, is uh, when you have a vision that you're gonna have to put in some serious work and some serious yeah. sacrifice. So so people see where Wreck is today, they probably don't have any idea will the amount of dedication, the sacrifice, the things that you had to do behind the scenes and 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 i would love and i know i know just from hearing your story a little bit about you know even sleeping on the couch in in the warehouse itself while you're throwing events and 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 a lot i believe i believe that that any vision to grow there has to be a lot of roots that grow that nobody sees those unseen hours those, those late nights those sacrifices so if you could speak to the development because a lot of times entrepreneurs think entrepreneurship is 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 beautiful it's and it is it can be mm-hmm. um but there's a lot on the other side that that comes from hard work and if you could just speak to that dedication and the development uh, yeah. that took that it took yeah 100 percent. i think you know for me excuse me for me most of us as entrepreneurs we get into entrepreneurship because there's a level of freedom that we're after right even bigger than the money it's like hey we want to we want to work when we want to work work on what we want to work on and things like that but the only thing that enables that freedom is a long duration of discipline you know so for me you know i remember when we were still doing broad street music group you know even pre-fame house days dave and i used to get so excited and proud that friday nights were our favorite time to work you know people were going out all the time having fun partying like we would be locked in till 2 a.m. Like when our friends were at the bar till 2 a.m., we were in our basement till 2 a.m., you know, working on whatever projects we had and things like that. And then when I talk about that idea of being, you know, eight to five at Fame House and then working on our own thing at night, like that was consistent. Like that wasn't sometimes, that was every single day, you know? And then that was every single day for, I don't know, man, at least like, six years my god yeah like it's not this short time you know Mm. Uh, well let me get let me let me hold on let me be more clear so the whole uh double shifts with fame house was three years um but but the whole sprint of working every day on this idea was six years and you know even saturday mornings you know was our our team meetings you know i had people volunteering to be a part of what we're doing giving up our saturdays you know and other people are sleeping in and then once i quit fame house it turned up even more. That's when I, I decided to move into that warehouse. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, well, if I know I don't have this consistent check coming in, I got to make sure I can lower my living expenses to be able to manage this. So, you know, for three years while we were in the warehouse, I was sleeping there. You know, our members didn't know. Like literally the four rooms that, you know, they were having access to as members, just right around the corner on the same floor is where I was sleeping. I was crashing on a on a, a couch, you know what I mean? Because they made me get rid of the futon, you know, after they caught on to us having beds there, you know? And, and it's just important to just, like, highlight, like, the level of discipline it requires to, and, and faith that it requires to be in that situation. You're building a business. You know it's meaningful for people. You know the impact is there. But you know it's going to take real capital to really get it to the level that you see it being. You know, I'm going to people asking for millions of dollars knowing that after that meeting was over i'm going back to sleep on a couch Mm. you know like there's a a spiritual warfare that can happen if you're not really secure in who you are whose you are and where you're going that it would have been so easy to give up like yo i'm tripping I'm, i'm i think i have this thing but i can't even 
get my own financial situation in the right place. And I'm trying to raise capital for the business when I probably should be trying to find some capital for myself, right? And mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and, and, and I just think it's just important to highlight that it was that level of sacrifice, you know, that enabled us to be where we are today. And I'm really grateful for it because I think that's where all the important lessons are learned. And that's where you get to really show yourself who you are and um, and be able to build the confidence that comes with persevering through things like that. Absolutely. Wow, that's profound, man. I'm so glad you gave the listeners a real, like, I could just see, like, a visual of all of what you're talking about. Just I could yeah. visualize you on the couch. I could visualize you dressing up and getting in a suit, going, mm -hmm. to, going to get that money, and then coming back to the couch. Like, wow, right. that's that's powerful. So, so talk to me about, so we, we've gone through the, the, the development process. Now, if you could talk to me about now taking this vision to the next level, raising capital, um, getting getting funding. I mean, that's not easy as well. That's a full-time job in itself in a lot of cases. So yeah. if you talk to, to listeners about uh, that experience that and, and that first big, and I'm sure there were a lot of wins ac across the board, but maybe that first um, raise or that first like, wow, somebody believes in our vision mm -hmm. even on the level that we do or somewhere near uh, where we do yeah um i think for the wins you know there was a, a lot of little milestones that led up to the big ones um you know i remember the first time we went to south by southwest and just throwing a show outside of our hometown it was an official show you know dave and i young 20 somethings and before us there had never been an official philadelphia showcase down there so that was a big win you know to prove to ourselves that we could get that done and it also sent a signal to our community uh, back at home who was watching that that we were serious and, and really, you know, challenging ourselves to go to the next level. Um, you know, after that, I think the four, the first time we were written about in Forbes was like a real like milestone because, you know, from starting the business in the beginning, Dave and I had always, you know, set the goal for ourselves. We wanted to be on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. So even before that happened, just to have Forbes writing about us was like, yo, there's something real here, right? And the credibility that Forbes brings. Um, but then when it came to fundraising, man, I'll be honest, we, we got so many 80 something no's before we got our first yes. So that first check that came in, you would have thought it was for 10 million, a hundred million dollars, the way we celebrated that thing. Um, but, but really it was about, you know, Hey, we, we not only did we get the affirmation that, that someone believes in this model, um, but it was also celebrating that we had the resiliency to get through all the no's to get to the right person who understood. And I think what led up to that is, you know, and, and I give a lot of credit to, to my business partner, Dave, for this, but Dave is such a, a resilient guy in the sense that we were able to reprogram ourselves to not even let the no's phase us anymore. You know, we had reshifted it where it was like every single time we get a no, that's just a signal that we're that much closer to the yes. So someone would tell us, hey, we got to pass on you guys. And like, we'd be like, all right, thanks for the time. They're like, yeah, got them out of the way. Now we're closer to the person who gets it, you know, like, wow. and um, yeah, so it was a big win for us to get the first check in. And um, I think, you know, the other win that comes to mind, as I'm kind of mentioning them was the first time we got to actually pay our team full salaries with full benefits. Wow. Um, because again, for the years before that, most people were volunteers or, you know, they had really small monthly stipend that we knew wasn't what they were worth, but that's mm -hmm. all the business could afford. Yeah. So finally getting to the point where it was like, 
the model is doing well enough where we really are operating and paying people for real. And, um, you know, being able to do that, that just meant everything because our, our team really is, is the only reason why we, we are here. Wow. I, I love that. That's powerful, man. So, so I, I want you to speak to the young creative that is maybe a little, maybe somebody in Philly as well, maybe in a similar circumstances that you grew up in, they maybe not clear on their gifts. Like, what would you say to help them to find their, that gift that they have or that talent that they have? That's the first part. And then secondly, what would you say, uh, to help them get to that third phase, which we, we talk about three phases, discoverment, development, and distribution. So how to get to monetize that gift, because that's what you guys do at Rick Philly. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, fortunately, I just wrote my first book, um, just published it last month. It's called Uncommon Sense, Your Strategy Guide to Creative Freedom. And literally the first chapter of the book is entitled, Who Are You? You know, uh, I think that idea of self-awareness and who are you is really at the core you know, of not only being an entrepreneur, but, you know, it's just being a productive human out here. And um, in the book, it, it kind of challenges you to, to think about, you know, what it is that you want, what lights you up, what gives you joy, you know, because um, I believe our passions are connected to the things that just naturally bring you joy. Um, you know, I believe we are meant to be in service. And if you can figure out like what it is that you like, like how you like to serve, that just fills you up, right? Not the things you do and at the end of the day you feel depleted, but the things that you get to do and, and it's long and it may be hard, but then you get the, the energy after. I think your passion is connected to that. So I think it's about, you know, trying enough things to give yourself an opportunity to see what it feels like and see what lights you up. Um, but also, you know, being still enough to listen, you know, to yourself and, and understand like, like I, I think in meditation and in prayer, like, you know, the answers are there you know, but sometimes we're just not quiet enough and still enough to hear them. So there's that. And then the third one I think is about what, what is the thing that people are coming to you for, whether you've solicited it or not, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was the guy who always was coming, people were coming to me for connections before I was connected, right? People were coming to me to help them articulate their ideas, right? Before I, that was a service that I could offer for coaching, wow. right? So wow. it's like sometimes people can see your gifts in you before you can. And again, if you're still enough and if you can pay attention, it'll 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 kind of reveal itself through other people. Um, so I think those are some of the strategies that I would give a young person to say, I'm trying to figure it out. What are people coming to you for? You know, what gives you that energy? Um, you know, things like that. Um, and then when it comes to the monetization part, right? That's the part that the book is really about. It's about how do you set yourself up, you know, to understand who you are, you know, how do you communicate that to the world around you? How do you engage people using these tools on social media? And then how do you think about revenue streams, right? And how do you protect your intellectual property? So I'll definitely encourage anyone who's like in that space to go ahead and check out the book because I know it'll serve you in that part of your journey. Um, but the real thing about monetization for me is understanding your own value first understanding exactly who needs what you have and then making sure that you can set up the offer that folks know that this is a, a mutually beneficial thing and that's easier said than done um, but that is really at the the heart of it and I think most times when creatives get frustrated and they quit it's because they haven't been able to be resilient enough through the process to finally get clear on exactly what their value is much less go then figure out who needs it 
right? And then be able to package it up. So I, I think that's kind of like the high level, but I'm happy to kind of dive into the specifics wherever you see fit. Yeah. Oh, man. I, no, I want them to get the book, man. I want them. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm digging in. And, uh, yo, so so to listeners, you got to get you got to get Uncommon Sense, uh, your strategy guide to creative freedom. Um, that, I, I do want you to just like you, you kind of hit on it, but could you mention the three pillars of the book uh, yeah. that and the three phases that that mm-hmm. you you go into deep detail on? But just, yeah, we're moving into that the, just the three phases yeah. and. and Sure. So I'll go over that. And and I'll say this too, you know, the reason I even wrote the book was really because I had had the same conversations with hundreds of creatives, you know, really around how do we monetize better and more effectively. And I noticed that no matter what the actual creative discipline was or how much time they had been in the industry, the questions really all came down to the same ideas. So I said, as a way to scale up my own time, I started to document these conversations I was having. And that led me to the 10 chapters of the book which really all get framed out into three steps. The first phase is build, right? How do you actually build a powerful brand? And and, and I really decode what branding really is and, and how we should think about it. Second, well, even before a second, after you build the, the powerful brand, how do you build an audience of people who believe what you believe, right? And then at, once you do that, the second uh, phase of this is called engage, right? It's how do you actually authentically show up online, build with your with your people, with your tribe, and engage them in a way that's consistent and effective to build the trust that's so necessary for the next part, which is monetizing, right? And monetizing, that's the part that sometimes creators get intimidated by, but that's where we really, you know, dig deep and say, again, what is your value? Who needs it? And we, and we help you understand how to convert that trust and value into the revenue streams that can actually help that, you know, get transferred into cash right Mm. so build engage monetize is how we think about it and and for me it's i always tell people like we have the opportunity to get paid to be ourselves and i think of build engage monetize expand that's the answer when people say how do i get paid to be me Mm. right yeah i love that be me build engage monetize expand that's i think i think the second book is coming man you know it you know it bro <laughs> so so will um if you could also just walk us through your process right in as far as you know i know you go into deep details in the book for for the for the monetization piece but but a lot of times right um someone develops they find their gifts they find their talent they they develop their talent. They put in the hard work like you guys did, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they get to this phase, and they don't really understand the importance of marketing, mm-hmm. and or, or either they don't understand it or they don't p- give it enough uh, time and attention. Yeah. And and I know that you know that you guys building out you what you've built in Rec Philly and everything you did, you had a core in marketing as a big part of it like you're always looking for ways to market and yep. effectively so could you can you talk about the importance of of businesses and and creatives understanding that you got to market these gifts that you have yeah that, yeah that's exactly right you know i think as creatives we tend to get all romantic about the art side of it right the actual creative part um but the reality is you also have to create the through lines for people and the pathways for people to come find that thing that you're so creative about, that you're so romantic about. Um, so for me, you know, I, I, I don't believe that creatives are lazy. 
right? I don't think they don't market just because we're lazy. I think we get intimidated by a lack of clarity on exactly what the, the next step is, right? And that's why I love the way the book is laid out. I made it super accessible and it's pretty step-by-step -step for people to really understand. And one, shift your perspective around some of these concepts so you actually kind of just get to the meat of what's important. And then two, gives you kind of a, a strategy guide for how to execute. Um, but marketing is everything, man. I think it's, it's one thing to create something that you love, but it's a whole nother thing to create the system that delivers it to your customer time and time again, mm. right? Uh, that's really what the business is like if I could just leave any business tip with the folks listening It's you have to understand that your business is a system That's what makes it the business, right? Like if you can just do something for someone once that they value or every so often then yeah That's a gift and that's a talent But to make it a business you have to be able to build a system that can make that outcome repeatable right and efficient so at some point in time, and this is the part that creatives don't even be thinking about, you build the business so that at some point in time, you can hire someone else for your job and you can move on, right? Again, getting back to that freedom. But if you don't ever get to the point where you can build that system, then you can never scale it up to the point where the business can grow beyond you, right? Mm -hmm. um, but specifically the marketing thing, I could just make it super simple. It's marketing is just getting people to notice. And if people notice, you are marketing. The flip side of that is you not posting on social media, you think you're not marketing, but you are. You're just marketing that you're not a good marketer, right? You're, that's what it is, right? Because people are going to notice that. Um, so I, I like to just give it to people in that way because it's like, it's not that you're you know not marketing because you are, regardless or not. And it's not that you're having a hard time building your brand. You're just having a hard time building your reputation, right? Mm. That's exactly what you're you're saying, right? When when you're talking about, hey, I want people to know me for this. This is what I do. This is what I care about. You're just building your reputation. So if we get to that point, we just start talking about it using plain words like go build your reputation. And that reputation is built on trust. And trust is built on consistency, right? Mm. When we start to make it this plain, people say, oh, I get it, you know? And I know what I need to do. Uh, but yeah, that's what, that's what I'd say about the marketing. It's... You could build the best thing in the world, but hit records, for example, they're not made, they're marketed, right? Mm. Hit number one products are not invented, they're marketed, mm. right? So when we start to respect the marketing process just as much as we respect the creative process, we'll all be better off. And more specifically, I think it's about this idea of just understanding that like the world deserves to get what you have if you really know it's good for people. So you not only have an opportunity to market yourself well, but a responsibility to, because if you don't, there's going to be someone out there who misses out on the value that you have because you did not take the time to learn how to be a more effective marketer and business person. Jeez, bro. Wow. You just blessed the folks. My God. Y'all need to play that again. Y'all need to listen to this episode <laughs> multiple times. Uh, he just dropped some major wisdom on y'all. Uh, I, I know time is short. I got two quick questions for you, Will. Let's do it. Um, so first one, I'll start with this. Let, let's talk about the promotional aspects because we're talking about marketing. Let's let, let them know. I, I know we, we're going to have it in the show notes where people can get the book um, mm -hmm. at, at shop.recphilly.com. They, mm -hmm. they can get it there. But um, I... Uh, if you wanted to just kind of just plug again the book and also Rec Philly, how can people? Uh, I know this Rec Philly 
is is for I, and maybe let me not assume there's probably other services that can help people that are nationwide maybe outside of the area and yeah. so uh if you could talk about the book and rec philly yeah so i didn't actually get a chance to break down rec philly as like what exactly it is so i'll just do that for a second you know yeah what we've built at rec the easiest way to understand it as i mentioned before is we're a gym membership but for creative people so when you come to rec instead of seeing workout equipment you're going to see recording studios podcast studios dance excuse me dance studios visual labs a co-working space a retail store a live nation venue literally all the things that we as creatives need to not only create at a high level but also to be able to learn and then be able to monetize and connect right so that's what rec is all about so there's our incubator which we think of as the space all the education in, in our community but then next to that we've built a creative agency that allows us to work with businesses of all sizes from Lyft to Comcast to Red Bull these brands who who deeply need creative services they want to be a part of the creative community and we help them execute on their visions so when we get a contract from a brand to shoot a documentary we go right back into our membership community and pay videographers and colorists and producers to help us execute that work right so that's essentially what rec is all about it's this incubator and this agency and folks can find out more about Rec Philly at recphilly.com. And specifically, if you're interested, I'd say go to recphilly.com slash tour, take a tour for free, come learn about how we operate and what we do and why, um, and figure out which which membership is the best for you. For the book, yes. shop.recphilly.com, Uncommon Sense, Your Strategy Guide to Creative Freedom is available now. Um, for folks who are like, yo, I'm just struggling to figure out the business side, I need to understand it, I need some frameworks. I give you a whole operating system to build your business on top of so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So I, I challenge you to go check that out, shop.recphilly.com. And then finally, I'll also just kind of cast a little vision, um, you know, for folks who are like, wow, the Rec Philly model sounds amazing, but I'm not near Philadelphia, but I, I really want this in a, a, in a city near me. We're coming. Um, we are really proud. We will be expanding to our first expansion city of Rec Miami, which is taking yeah. place at the top of next year. And after that, Atlanta, and then we're going to cities all across the country. So if you're interested in, in connecting and being a part of our expansion, bringing Rec to your home, feel free to reach out. You can find me on Instagram at the Will Toms. that's T-H-E-W-I-L-L-T-O-M-S, Instagram, and on Twitter. Shoot me a message and connect with me. I promise you I, I answer all of the DMs, probably sometimes faster than emails if I'm being honest. Um, but shoot me a message. Let's connect and let's bring this thing to, to the, a community that you know needs it wherever you're from. I love it. I love it, man. Um, uh, as, I, as I told you, I'm, I'm, I told you I'm, I'm joining and I wanted to I wanted to publicly share this that uh, um, I am going. My wife and I are working on a, a marriage mixtape. Um, it's called wow. uh, it's a motivational mixtape. And we're going to record all of our mixtape at Rec Philly. So that's I, 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 I wanted to publicly mention that, and then that's how I'm, I'm joining. I'm joining in on that, awesome. uh, uh, and we were talking about it this week. So, uh, y'all, y'all, I got a chance to tour the space. It's beautiful. For those that are locally here, uh, you're, you, you'll enjoy it. Uh, for those that are outside, there's many ways to plug in with Rec Philly. And for right. Miami, I'm excited for you. Atlanta, I'm excited for y'all. Uh, it's going to be great because this, this is, this is truly you can't you can't. 
the vision just to see just to see it like the live nation studio the sponsored different rooms all mm-hmm. all of this stuff like it's amazing amazing stuff and and I, again i want to respect your time will i got the final question we ask all our listeners I mean, all our all our guests what's that um the question is what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose one's gift and one's purpose wow what a question <laughs> what a question man you know i think I think to me, the way I kind of interpret that is like, I look at my gifts as as the things that were gifted to me, right? And and if if I'm lucky, I get to share them with the world, right? I think the my purpose is more about how I show up in the world, right? And and specifically like my being, right? And and I hope that if I'm lucky my purpose and how I show up in the world and my being incorporates my gifts, right? And, and and really allows me to just get to the greatest expression that God has made me to be. So for me, again, it's like the gift is like the skill, the talent, but the purpose is, is the way of life that hopefully, you know, we all get to be afforded to walk in the knowing of who we are and whose we are and what we're here to do. So that that's how I think about that one. Beautiful, beautifully stated, man. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for blessing folks today, brother. Anything I missed that you wanted to share or anything else? Uh, nah, I think I think that's it, man. But you know, most importantly, you know, again, if, if folks just you know have been listening and they like what they've been hearing, they want to stay in touch. I, I do encourage folks follow me on Instagram. You know, the Will Toms. We're just getting started, man, and and I would love to connect with folks on this journey, and. Um, and yeah, and thank you, brother. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Me. Thank you for being on. And blessing the folks. Appreciate you. Uh, uh, I searched all, all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date. And it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.